Did that give you a boner? Because <laughs> you really shouldn't have. Because that was not a beer. Yeah. Yeah, if it was a beer, it would have been okay. But if your sixth beer senses... Uh, how does that work through the internet? Can you tell if it's a beer? I guess if... If you're good enough... If it has that, it. like, sprucy, like, whatever yeah. the thing does with, a like, a Guinness can, maybe? With the I don't know. Mine, mine still sounded better than him. Yeah. All right. Cool. So, welcome to Drink to the Past. I forgot to say hello, internet, because I was interrupted by a orange vanilla Coke, of all things. Uh, you should say it like they do on Animaniacs. Hello, internet. I'll think about that. I'll take it under consideration. And now... Here is Josh with our theme song. Or should I call you Gimp? Either one. Okay. Either one with our theme song. The theme song I gave you? Whichever one you like. It's your theme song this week. I used that one once, and I screwed it up, as is Drink to the Past style. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> well, are you going to do the Scottish metronome for me? Uh, That's where you swing your drink side to side so I can keep time without a bagpiper's foot. I am good at that. It's beer uh, before breakfast and beer before bed. It's beer when I'm ill or just sick in the head. It quenches my thirst and it fills me with cheer. There's nothing on earth I like better than beer. Than beer. Thank you. Thank you for screwing that up so I didn't have to. You're welcome. <laughs> part of the thing. Now we have to drink because we screwed up. Mm-mm. All right. Well, now that we've got that out of the way, share and subscribe. I always put that on the top of the notes and then I usually forget to say it at the top, but if you are one of our first 25 subscribers, then you will be automatically entered to win a beer. Details on a tweet somewhere on my timeline. Go look that up later. Today on Sean Drinks Something Stupid, I have created a drink called the Samus Aaron. Which is all green and almost glowish, because it's made out of Mountain Dew. Um, largely. And, and rocks? Yeah, whiskey stones. For us to keep it cool. So it's just chilled Mountain Dew. Uh, well, there's other stuff in it, too. Uh, so, anyways, I put up a Twitter poll of what video game character... I just pulled four random video game characters, and I was a little bit hoping that the Cyber Demon would win my poll. I voted for it. I voted for it. There you go. Me and your other two followers. Right, yeah. <laughs> Actually, I got a whopping 13 votes on that poll. Do you even know 13 people in real life? Uh, I don't have to. This is the internet. Oh. We're in the internet right now, Josh. Gimp. The two together. <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> Anyways. Go. Uh, Josh Gimp. The either or. Yeah. So anyways, uh, the winner of the poll was Samus Aran, so I created a drink called the Samus Aran, and then I took to the two guys playing Zelda Discord, because that's where I get all of my suggestions for booze, and uh, asked uh, whoever happened to be on at the time for some words to describe Samus Aran, so I could take ingredients that fit those descriptions and put them in a drink. Uh, so thanks to Red and Usmino, I really have no idea how to pronounce that, but I talk to this dude all the time. He watches anime a bunch. Cool dude. Anyways, um, so they described, let's see, one of them called her like a badass iron woman, something along those lines. Uh, so I figured iron is a good description, so I put in some bourbon. That's kind of ironish for an ingredient, right? Uh, badass, uh, so I put in the most badass soda in the world, which is Baja Blast. 
happened, even though they made cancel that. <coughs> they didn't for a while, and then they did, and then they didn't again, and now they do again. It's a very limited run that's been going on for the last 15 years. Oh, yeah, something like that. <laughs> um, and somebody described her as sexy, so I put in triple sec, because sec is the first syllable in the word sexy. Right? Kind of? Close enough. Yeah. And uh, she was also described as with a snazzy gun. So I figured a snazzy gun sounds like honey whiskey. So honey whiskey, bourbon, triple sec, and uh, Baja Blast is apparently how to make the Samus Aran. And uh, not too bad. Mostly tastes like uh, fruity stuff. Because uh, it's, I mean, it's, it, you, you get a lot of the triple sec and Baja Blast in there. But it's got enough... A little bit of that burn, and a lot of the sweetness from the honey flavor really comes out of that honey whiskey. That's a good honey whiskey from Spirit Hound Distillers, if you've ever heard of them, which you probably haven't. No. Okay. <coughs> but anyways, that's pretty good. Josh, what you drinking? I'm drinking Lagunitas 12th of Never Ale. Mmm. Neat. Is it good? It is an ale. All right. I'll grant it that. Slight hop, light mouthfeel, little bit of lingering bitterness, but mm -hmm. more akin to like a pale ale than like an India pale ale. Okay. Doesn't sound horrible. What do you rate that on a scale of three to 17? You didn't rate yours. Oh, yeah. Um, let's see. That was for the listeners. There's no yeah, viewers, so they can't yeah, see me drink. Do, do I also have to slurp it like Mr. Granger, the 70-year-old guy from Are You Being Served? If you'd like to. About 95% of my communication here has been facial expressions, so it's all been lost on the listeners. Yeah, sorry, listeners. You'll never get to see the incredible <laughs> acting skills of Chris, no last name, Audet. Oh, I forgot Chris, to introduce no acting my... skills, Audette. Oh, yeah, there we go. The greatest actor ever, Audette. Yes. That was actually his name. We credited him in a uh, film we made in high school. Was Chris the best actor ever, Audette? And that's where it all started, having different... Which is funny, because we didn't pick up giving him different nicknames in the middle of his name every day until we started this podcast ten years later. But, you know, what you gonna do? Holy shit, it's been ten years. Um, yeah, well... Actually, 11, because this is, it's been 10 years since I graduated. So, and, and that was my junior year, wasn't it, that we were in yeah. creative writing? Anyways, uh, enough nostalgia. Let's get booze. Um, so, yeah, mostly tastes like Baja Blast with some honey and uh, punch in the face from bourbon. That's pretty good. Um, 12. Okay. I would say that this is 11, you know, slightly on the upper end of human average. Yeah. Chris, how do you rate your orange vanilla Coke? It's a soda. Are you pregnant? <laughs> or may become <laughs> pregnant? No. I'm just a lightweight. Right. It's to drive sooner than later. Chris well, is being a responsible human <coughs> being on the podcast, which means that I think I have to drink extras, is how that works. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that sounds fair. Thank you. So, in the spirit of being a guest on this podcast, I think that I should start a new tradition for guests on this podcast. I like to always bring something to share, alcohol related. Yeah. So, I brought Hop Peak IPA by Breckenridge Brewery. Yeah. So, I think that both of you should at least try a little of it. Not enough, 
I mean, I, I, I don't know how lightweight you are. I'm I'm about I'm one beer lightweight. I'm not half so a beer you, lightweight. So if, yeah, if you try a half a beer, you should be okay. All right, I like this tradition. Yeah. Can you hear me over there? I'm dropping stuff. I can. I definitely heard yeah. that. Sorry. I got some rocks glasses at the thrift store, and now I'm using them for everything. Also, they need to be christened with alcohol. That's that's how new glasses work. I got that tradition from my brother, who's this guy next to me. Yeah, I've for, noticed that I come up in a lot of your stories on the podcast. Somehow we talk about nostalgic video game junk a lot, and you were there for a lot of my nostalgic video game junk. It's true. Uh, we played most of those games when we were kids. Okay, so yeah, extra beer of the week. That's awesome. Thank you, Josh, and thank you to whoever is going to be on the podcast in the future, which will be really awkward when Crow comes on next because he lives in, like, a different state and joins us on Discord, so he'll have to mail me a beer. I'm, I'm going to hold you to that, Crow. I know you're listening. Mm. Real hoppy right on the nose right away. But not not too... Not actually, actually pretty mild on taste. Yeah, when, when, when you're actually drinking it, it's like it's not there anymore yeah. as much. It's... It's it's the beer equivalent of the false front on those old old west buildings. Uh-huh. You know, general store and it's three stories tall, but it's actually only a shack out back of this giant sign. Right. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, that's not a bad IPA. It's kind of grassy. Uh, I mean, it's an IPA. What do you want from it? Flavor flavor in the uh, last 2 thirds of it would be nice. Yeah. Um It's like I don't know, it's not horrible. Um, comes on really strong, reasonably really balanced. Mild. Yeah, really for an IPA, really but, yeah, mild it, for an IPA. It, it it also doesn't have a lot going on beyond that though. It's like a nice balance of malt and hops, and not really a lot else going on. When I really like an IPA, it's usually got some kind of extra thing in there as well, like a, a I don't know some weird spice or something added in or, or rye PA. Rye PAs are good. I like rye in everything. I have some rye up in the top shelf, and by top shelf, I mean on top of my fridge. Fifteen for the smell, but ten for the taste. Hmm. So, it's a beer with a really good bluff check. Yes. (laughs) That's surprisingly appropriate for a (laughs) podcast that talks about tabletops. Good job. Yeah, um... Yeah, I'll give that eleven. Not quite a plus one, but... Yeah, like like I drink that again. It's not yeah. horrible. Wouldn't be a go-to. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably give it an 8. It's on the lower end of not very great, but I guess I just expect a little bit more from my IPAs. Mm-hmm. It's it's the wisdom score that isn't standing around in the rain chewing nails while it's, you know, a lightning storm. But it's also not, you know, nobody's going to be asking this guy to be the uh, cleric of the village. Right. Yep. Cool. So, moving on to our brief news stuff. Um, I saw Godzilla! And that's not related to video games or tabletops, but I feel it's worth mentioning because I love this movie so much, and it has terrible reviews, and that's weird to me. Because usually I like I read reviews and I know what they're where they're coming from, and like I read several reviews after I saw this movie, and I was like, what the hell are you talking about? This was like the best monster movie I've ever seen. It turns out a lot of critics just don't get giant monster movies well that's kind but, of the thing is big dumb monster movies are designed for the low and co- lowest common denominator in mind 
Right. Race. But I feel like this one was like 50% that and 50% good storytelling, good actual story writing, and incredible acting all around. Well, how does it stack up against another giant monster movie, which is not related to video games or tabletop gaming, really? But how about uh, um, Pacific Rim? Uh, like a lot better than Pacific Rim. Really? Yeah. Like, I like Pacific Rim, but I felt the whole time that I was, like, watching a big, dumb, giant monster movie, which wasn't bad, because I went in expecting that, and, like, I, I really liked the sci-fi elements in the story, but I feel like they were maybe a little too convoluted. But in Godzilla, it didn't feel horribly convoluted. It was mostly pretty much like, here's what's going on. If you watched the first one, you already have a vague idea anyway. If you've watched any other Godzilla movie, yeah, it's Godzilla. Uh, and then it's like, you know, the most incredible monster fight scenes I've ever seen in anything, including Pacific Rim with all the kaijus and robots fight scenes, which were all like great. Um, I did really like the two-man flying the robot thing. In uh, That made for some really interesting kind of scenes just to watch the two actors try and, you know, move the same and then the robots moving the same. I thought that was really cool. But, um, like, yeah, I would, I would say this was a lot more of a smart person's giant monster movie than that. Not that that was necessarily done. Like, because that was, <laughs> you know... I feel like the, the elements going in there were smart people elements, but there was too many of them. I mean, aren't giant monster movies their own kind of joy? You don't you don't need to care about smarts to enjoy them? A little bit. It's kind of like first-person shooters. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Speaking of which, I've also been playing Rage 2, but we won't get into that. You been playing Rage 2? Um, no. Okay. I get severe nausea when I play first-person shooters. Well, stop it. Minecraft. I have maximum fisheye view on Minecraft, so being able to see kind of like a goat behind me uh, helps with the nausea. See? Hmm. It, it, it's like goat yoga. Goga? <laughs> no, goat yoga. Yote? Yote. Yote. Yote goga. There you go. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> so yeah, Godzilla was great. Go see it. Did you see it? I did not see it. Okay, go see it. Chris, did you see it? No. Go see it. Uh, anyway, it's holding on. Add that on. to the list. Actual, uh, right, yeah. Add that to the list of also every single Avengers movie except for like two. Yeah. Uh, and by Avengers, I mean literally everything in that canon, which is like 25 movies or something. I still haven't seen Captain Marvel or Ant-Man. Um, I did see Ant-Man and the Wasp and realized I didn't miss much from Ant-Man. Uh, they were fun. Um, I think they were worth checking out once, yeah. at least to you know understand what's going on in the canon. And uh, right, wasn't bad. I liked them. Uh, kind of the same as what I felt for Captain Marvel. Like it was, it was okay. Although I felt like it was like kind of awkwardly shoehorned in at the end to just have Captain Marvel kick everybody's ass in uh, Endgame for no reason. She she literally was that that whole. Mm -hmm. That was all added based on the popularity of her movie. Hmm. Yeah. And the whole, um, like, really breaking you out of the moment, girl power moment, which, if that fits seamlessly into the narrative or the scene or the blocking out, that's great. Right. But when, for no apparent reason, all of the female characters suddenly appear. 
Yeah, and in and, the and, same and, place. Yeah, and they're all for some reason separated, even though there's this giant like ten mile wide battlefield. I thought that was really awkward because like I I'm fine with like this idea of feminism and you know having all these cool female characters in one place oh I'm, i think they should have the spotlight to just as much extent as the men but that was a weird way to do it <laughs> it's just like it's like look chicks we're yeah we're, it, we're it, pro woman it, get it it, it just like it just us. drew you so much out of the movie and out of the moment because suddenly it's not everyone working together it's all of the female characters just showing up in a scene yeah. Which was also added in a reshoot. Mmm. Those silly people. How dare you, Hollywood? You betrayed us again, apparently. Well, yeah, they did release Dark Phoenix. Right. It's, uh, it's, well, it's bombing. <laughs> Badly. Yeah, I'm going to see it probably on Sunday, maybe. Why am I getting flashbacks to the third X-Men movie? Because it's... Because <laughs> it's the same because thing. Because that one was better, because it had a Hugh Jackman in it. But they, did, <laughs> they, did, they, they, they literally specifically left Wolverine out of this one because of the age difference, because they're all recast as sort of maybe teenagers still. I'm not really sure. I haven't been keeping up on it. The best thing that happened out of this entire incarnation of the X-Men was the cameo in Deadpool 2. Yeah, basically. McAvoy <laughs> um, yeah, Stewart, these timelines are so confusing. Right, yeah. Um, it it is pretty weird because like the like I don't even know like I've seen every single one of these movies and I'm I'm not sure where all these characters suddenly came from or if they're teenagers or the, or younger versions or whatever because like there's been so many times in the timeline where it's like okay we're back in time now now we're back regular now we're back in time but for some reason Gambit could only exist back in time without his accent or personality. Yeah, he was a he was a miscast. Yeah, that was a misfire. They they've really just the first X Men, like the, the original one, was a good movie. Yeah, that was pretty good. Didn't need to spawn fifteen years of sequels. Yeah, and and, and it wasn't good enough for that. It should have been, admittedly, better. Some of the casting was great. Mm -hmm. You know, Patrick Stewart, Ian McKellen. Um, Hugh Jackman, Jackman yeah. was fantastic. Rogue was a mishap. Mm. They completely repurposed her entire character for the story narrative. Right, but it, it worked. Cyclops so was enough of a dick it. that it worked. Yeah. Um, but really, it just wasn't good enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's it's just confusing that they're going through the like Phoenix Kills Everybody story arc for a second time. Well, it's because they effectively started a second timeline with Days of Future Past, which... Right, but them still, there's, like... Why would you just do the same movie twice in the same official canon? It seems like you're gonna not only be, like, the people that don't like that timeline anyways are gonna be angry, and the people who are realizing you're obviously rehashing a movie that you already made ten years ago are gonna be angry. It worked for Star Wars. Uh... Episode... Four and seven. Yeah, we'll avoid that subject. <laughs> We've had that debate on Twitter. You can go check it out if you feel like scrolling through my timeline for t two hours or something to find whenever that was. 2016? Anyway. Probably. Okay, so moving on to actual video game news. Uh, there was a Pokemon Direct. Did you watch the Pokemon Direct? I'm not even 100% sure on what that is, but I did see a meme regarding Pokemon. Cool. So Was it great? 
Does it make you want to buy the game because well, of that meme? Probably no, not. <laughs> I, I want to buy the game anyway because okay. it's a Pokemon game on Switch, which already the Switch is the best console on the market. There you go. Pokemon is the best Pokemon game on the market. And there are knockoffs. Yeah. But after we got uh, Let's Go Eevee, which mm-hmm. I really liked, and I don't even, even if they don't have the same capture mechanic, right. which I really like because I never really saw how endearing yourself to this small, adorable creature would involve beating it mostly to death and then encapsulating <laughs> it in some sort of extra dimensional prison ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's something about that. You can make a D&D campaign out of that. Only that guy's an evil wizard. You have to fight him. I think he does that to my villagers. other brother, Dan, actually made a uh, class based around that, that he, like, captured and summoned, like, Pokemon-like monsters from other dimensions and bullshit. Then he, he was telling me he designed Snorlax in 3.5 D&D and, like, as a free action every round he could eat something the size of a horse or some bullshit. <laughs> I'm going to allow this. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, but what yeah. happened in the Pokemon Direct? Anyways, so there was a lot of new information on the new uh, Pokemon game, Sword and Shield. Uh, they revealed the legendaries. Uh, they are both kind of wolf-like legendaries, which is kind of cool. Uh, the shield uh version legendary has like his kind of fur on his face is like shaped like a shield looks like it's like fur made of iron or something and it's it's a pretty cool design but like maybe the shield is a little too big and the sword version legendary is just like a cool looking wolf with a badass design and he's like holding a sword for some reason and I'm like, it, it's kind of like they really, really had to shoehorn that in. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what I was feeling. Um, other than that, they've revealed more or less the they the capture system seems to be more or less traditional. Uh, there are random battles in a lot of areas on the map, but there's also some areas on the map that are like open world areas almost where you can just go wherever. And there's Pokemon in those areas that you can see out in the wild, like in Let's Go. Um, and that looks pretty cool. And then you can get different kind of Pokemon in those with a weather mechanic. So there's going to, uh, be like sandstorm weather or raining and depending on what weather it is. Sandstorm in, in Pokemon London. Yeah. Well, just outside, I guess. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) but then there's a Tyranitar walking around. So it's hype anyway, because Tyranitar is a badass. Um, and then you can do raid battles kind of now, like in Pokemon Go, but it's like you team up with four friends, or, uh, you can team up with computer players instead if you don't have four friends, because you're, you know, the guy guy who plays Pokemon at home by yourself, whatever. Um, and then you fight these giant versions of Pokemon, and you can, you know, capture them. Um... And also, apparently, you can use that giant Pokemon. There's a new mechanic... You can Dynamax your Pokemon, which yeah. makes any Pokemon grow inexplicably giant for three turns and basically turns all four of their moves into a Z-move from uh, Pokemon Sun and Moon, which I don't think you played. No, I, I did apparently have the option to do that in Pokemon Let's Go. but we Oh, didn't. there was Z-moves in Let's Go? I don't know. Some sort of like, here's your only for this battle super evolutionary stone to make your Mega Charizard super better okay yeah so there was some mega evolutions in that yeah i didn't get any mega stones i don't really i don't know if it's a mega stone it it, it was 
something that seems so bolted on just from, you know, Generation 7 that's not translating well to what is effectively a remake of Generation 1. Right. That I didn't even need it or use it because we just mm -hmm. beat the entire game pretty much with a uh, Eevee and a Pikachu. Right, yeah, because <laughs> if there was one complaint I would give them about that version was that they really just made Pikachu and Eevee, like, way OP, and yeah. there was no reason to ever switch Pokemon. Like, I, I didn't even think about this until I was, like, beating Lieutenant Surge with my Pikachu, and I was like, I just went through three gyms without switching Pokemon. Yeah, like, yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> they gave them perfect IVs, which I get why they did that and right. and, and the, the relationship mechanic was fantastic yeah. I loved how you could actually interact you could bring them out they could follow you in the world mm -hmm. um, you could do the dual trainer Pokemon but we had uh, we had our Eevee Fox and we had the first Pikachu we caught who was not all that great he was very fast so we called him Wigglesworth and he would <laughs> use Tail Whip and then we would switch out Eevee to just destroy everything right <laughs> awesome yeah, because my, my Pikachu, I uh, I named him Captain Zappin. Captain Zappin? Captain Zappin. Yeah, Captain Zappin. Uh, and there was no reason to ever... Because, like, you, you go to the first couple of towns and there's, like, a dude in the Pokemon Center that's like, hey, want me to teach your Pikachu a move that's, like, better than Surf? Yeah, like, <laughs> like here is literally some different typed moves, like... Well, mm -hmm. I don't know if the Pikachu moves were as terribly named, but we had like Sizzling Slide and Zippy Zap or something. Z yeah, they're 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 all the same. Okay, yeah, but terrible, uh, it's terrible names. Yeah, uh, and Zippy Zap is the like most retarded one on Pikachu because he gets his same type attack bonus for a one point five times increase, and it always hits first, and it's got a fifty base power, but it also always criticals. So effectively, you have a 150 power move, which is the same power as Hyper Beam, and you always go first. Yep. That's <laughs> like, what the hell? Like, you can't technically crit because it always crits, and that factored into that 150 power. Right, but... but what the hell? <laughs> uh, that's, that's called pouring one out for the Guardian Force. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Um, so, yeah, I'm not entirely sold on um, Pokemon Dynamaxing, but, uh, like, other than that, the trailer looked really cool. I like the big exploration factor in the world. Like, you can, it's a Pokemon game for the first time where you can freely control the camera and just go wherever you want, even if it's limited to certain areas of the game. It looks really cool. Uh, there's Pokemon wandering around the world. That looks really cool. And they revealed, like, a handful of new Pokemon, and most of them actually have cool designs. So I'm pretty excited about that. So no more Snubbles. Um, I mean, there's probably going to be one or two well, lousy ones. <laughs> every gen has a, a handful of gems and a handful of trash and a handful a of... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um... But you know what? Sableye was really cool for a while because being a ghost dark type, he had no weakness until they added fairy types. You're welcome, Jigglypuff. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, uh, Chris, do you have anything to add on the Pokemon thing? Because you've been mostly silent over there. Uh, no, I tend to I tend to skip like three generations anytime I pick up a Pokemon game, so everything's totally different by the time I play the next one there in you go. line. Are you looking at getting this one, maybe? Yeah, I'm thinking. I'm, I'm thinking. I'm gonna pick this one up. 
Cool. Gun to your head, sword or shield? Uh, shield. Okay. That's, that's probably a good idea with a gun to your head. Yeah, you just block. Never bring the a bullet. sword to a gunfight, but a shield to a gunfight? Would that be. Just hug it for Captain America. Yeah. There you go. Cool. Um, and now I made that part of the whole thing, so it, it, it makes sense why we talked Marvel movies there. For right. Me. Right. And uh, the other additional news thing is uh, kind of an interesting one that usually happens right before E3 or big announcements. There's been a whole buttload of uh, new things added to the uh, GameStop internal server, which, of course, has been leaked immediately by some gamer fan who works at GameStop that's like, hey, look, stuff, I'm going to tweet about it. Um, So they've added... Something like 22 SKUs to GameStop's internal service for uh, Switch alone. Um, uh, Probably several more for Xbox or whatever, but uh, it's most likely that these are mostly games. But the the only thing, the only reason I'm noticing this as news is because most of them were the normal $59.99. One's like $200. Yeah, one of them is $199.99. So... uh, (laughs) Now there's all sorts of interesting things, which is going to bring us into our E3 rumors topic, which is going to be our video game topic for today. Um, what do you think this could be? A random $199.99... Steel Battalion. Cool. What the hell's that? Uh, you don't... I've it, heard of it. You like giant robots and monsters? Yeah. It's Steel Battalion was the giant robot game. Cool. It was $200 because it came with... A giant robot control, like it had a custom controller with, you had an eject button. I'm getting one. <laughs> what was it, the 360? Yeah, it, I think it was now actually you, the original Xbox. you mention that, Xbox. that sounds familiar? It was, it, was, it was an older system, it's not current gen, it was at least 360, yeah. if not the generation before that, but literally everything that you did with this giant robot this was on a very special controller yeah. that was giant. It was... I remember seeing this and wanting to get it or or at least even play it, but you couldn't play it with a standard controller, I yeah, think. Yeah, exactly. You had to have this special controller. Well, yeah. So it, it was like Rock Band, only more buttons. Right. Uh, <laughs> there was an individual button for everything, like three joysticks or something. Mm-hmm. It was like driving an actual giant robot. Yeah, I want one. Except you didn't have to, you know, mind link with Chris. Right. Or use the machine that was usually broken at Chuck E. Cheese. You don't want a mind link with me. There's things in there. Yeah, I've probably seen worse. You're not wrong. I've probably seen half of them. We've known each other so long. We have known each other a while. (laughs) All right. Well, one of the E3 rumors is actually related to one of our other news topics because uh, one of the E3 rumors is that in 2020, we will see a Godzilla versus King Kong fighting game that will tie into the Godzilla vs. King Kong movie, which has also not yet been announced. So, what do you think about that? I know that Lurch is going to be over the moon for that, because I'm pretty sure Rampage World Tour was his favorite NES game. (laughs) Nice. Which neither of you probably have ever played or possibly heard of. I played some of the Rampage games. I don't remember which one. For some reason, the Rock. Time ago. Yeah, for some reason, the Rock starred in the uh, the movie version. That I was thought, a half okay monster movie. 
That was based on a 1987. Yeah, I thought the original game. Rampage was an arcade game, and then Rampage World Tour was like an N64 claymation remake. That was that could weird. have been. There was an NES version. Yeah, I feel yeah. like that it could have been an arcade port. The early days, especially like the 1980s, as far as Nintendo games, most of them were ports of arcade games. Yeah, because. Nintendo made most of its money in the arcade and then went to their family computer or Famicom system. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it kind of reminded me that because there was a Godzilla fighting game that we really liked playing like way the hell back when. I think it was original oh, Xbox. yes. Was it like Destroy All Monsters or something? Yeah, Destroy, Destroy All Monsters. Monsters Melee. Yeah. That was great. Yeah, that was cool. Or Damn. Damn them. D A M M destroy all monsters oh. melee. Yeah, damn, damn. But yeah, they, and it, I thought it was hilarious because uh, like Mothra was like one of the f- monsters that I had never heard of before I played that game, and he was just a power up. He literally was <laughs> the most pointless monster ever. He's actually pretty badass in the new Godzilla because it's a she, and it's like it comes to help Godzilla later, and it's cool. Oh, yeah, love triangle, a little bit. Not quite. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more and more interested in this movie. <laughs> right? You just want to see Godzilla make out with Mothra now, don't you? <laughs> no, really got cool, to see it. There's a really okay. cool fight scene between uh, Mothra and Rodan, and that's all I'll say on that. So, uh, what do you think? Real fake? Real fake about the $199 skew? or uh, About the Godzilla versus King Kong. Oh, right. It sounds plausible. I mean, there's the movie already mm-hmm. out. I hope they don't go the DC route and kind of see what they want to be at and then immediately go there instead right. of trying to build up properly. Yeah. I I think it's fake, and I think it's fake for a pretty stupid reason. Mm-hmm. Godzilla is the size of a skyscraper. <laughs> King Kong had to climb a skyscraper. Yeah, that is actually so a very good point. Godzilla is, I was kind of wondering how that would work, anyways, myself. Um, but if I'm gonna say real, and partially because I saw the movie, and at the end of Godzilla, King of the Monsters, um, there was kind of this sort of newspaper montage thing, like they do, and several of the headlines were referencing other kaiju from around the world that. Obviously, we've got established in the canon because Kong Skull Island is in the same canon. And a handful of them... really? Yeah, that's the same canon as the new Godzilla movies. I I mean, I didn't see that one either, but it had uh, Tom Hiddleston in it, so I'm not against it. Yeah, um, I haven't seen that one either, but uh, suddenly I was like, hey, now that they're referencing... Because a couple of those newspapers also specifically referenced King Kong. So I was like, okay, now I'm going to see that movie. And, you know, so I'm all caught up for a potential so before i saw this rumor i was thinking maybe the next movie will be a godzilla versus kong or uh godzilla and king kong team up against something else maybe king kong rides godzilla like a giant mount with a fucking sword i don't know where he's gonna get a sword but it's gonna be awesome from loki obviously there you go (laughs) 
<laughs> Wait, it, it, so is this the original one that was created by Peter Jackson with Jack Black? No. The, that's a different King Kong? Yeah, that's a different King Kong. Okay. And then Skull Island is a newer one that was, I don't remember, well, I know 17, it was a, 18? Yeah, I knew it was a newer movie mm-hmm. and everything. I just didn't know if it actually was the same canon because I didn't see it because I didn't really want to see a three-hour movie where an hour and a half didn't have King Kong in it. Yeah, because I remember, I think we saw that movie together. We both kind of agreed on that yeah. point. Like, it, Peter <laughs> half Jackson. the movie was waiting for Kong to just yeah. show up. Peter Jackson just needs to quit. While and he's behind. the next hour was like waiting for King Kong to fight, and then the half hour at the end was actually pretty cool. Well, in the middle there was that T Rex fight. The T Rex fight. That is true. That was actually awesome. I completely forgot about that until you're, right now. You're welcome. Thank you. I'll drink to that. Speaking of which, I'm going to open my accidental third beer of the week. Uh, Okay, I'll try one of your other fourth beers of the week. Sweet. All right. So this one, uh, my brother... Oh, wow, that is black. Uh, My other brother, Tim, I've accidentally talked about all three of my brothers on a podcast one week, uh, owed me a beer for something, and so he... Came to church the other day, and he was like, hey, here's that beer I owe you. Uh, and it is called Even More Jesus, an imperial stout from Evil Twin Brewing. Um, got quite a bit ahead on that, uh, but... That's more from the poor. Partially, yeah. Um, I was distracted because it's so fucking black. Look at look at that. That is... It's that's a dark black. beer. Yeah. Um, so the head is very imperial, like, oatmeal stout kind of looking. Looks like it's going to be even pretty thick head there. Uh-huh. No, I'm, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Now, now Chris will have to be the judge. Mm-hmm. Look at that head. That's darker. Well, that's darker, but <laughs> is, is the head really really the beer or is it the poor ah uh, it's usually the poor it's if I do but I'll also have down. Chris attest that usually I'm pretty good at that well usually you didn't drink Samus Aran that's true yeah I sucked that Samus Aran right now you sure did yep I just went there sorry everybody not sorry anyways uh, <laughs> it's like a Metroid yeah speaking of Metroid Next uh, rumor is Metroid Prime 4 trailer. No fucking way. Yeah. Yeah. No? No. Nope. Because, uh... <laughs> well, okay, so the last game I played was Metroid Fusion. Okay. That was after Metroid Prime? That was probably, yeah, I think so. I, I, Zero Mission was the remake time. of one, right? Because I have yeah. that one, too. Yeah. And I played Metroid, Metroid 2, and Super Metroid. Mm-hmm. And entirely old school. I never, never really dug the three D. Right. I liked it, but it was it was a totally different kind of thing, especially in the first person shooter kind of thing. Because putting it into a shooter really kind of for me felt different than Metroid. It still had that exploration and actually kind of a lot of the platforming elements in some of the later stages that Metroid is kind of known for, but. It was kind of weird just being in first person. It didn't feel exactly like Metroid. Yeah, that was kind of my big hang-up. Still a great game and is still regarded as 
you know, among the greatest Metroid games, if you ask a lot of Metroid fans today what their favorite oh, yeah. game is, plenty of them are going to say Metroid Prime. Um, anyway, so... Because most people who play games now are young, like that's, you. That's true. Uh, you know, they grew up on Metroid Prime. Uh, you know, it's funny, though, because I've actually been noticing younger people than me are, are playing games because I'm talking about games online sometimes with people, and they're like... Oh, I wasn't born until after Metroid Prime came out. <laughs> you know, it's like that seems weird to me. But I have it's, that. It's a total f- kids who can drink now were born after I met my buddies I went to high school with. Right. Yeah. Just to put that all in perspective. Hmm. Because kids who can drink now, twenty-one years ago, yeah. So there's plenty of kids that that would be ninety-eight. So that's like the Ocarina Time original Pokemon era. Yeah. Uh, and I remember they were, playing. They were born at that time. I, I remember my friend that had a copy of Pokemon Green, and it was Japanese. The whole thing, like it wasn't translated. It was on yeah, his no, Game Boy, and he managed. His name was Phil, and he managed to find the Japanese kanji that would accidentally spell something that looked like Phil. It wasn't Phil, but it <laughs> right. looked like Phil. It was two <laughs> symbols. One looked like a PH, and then the other one looked like an IL, more or less, sort of in cursive. Right. It was. Close enough. Very creative, and he didn't understand any of the plot, but he already knew the plot because he'd already beaten Red and Blue. Right, because it was effectively the same game, but it was, I understand, slightly different. I'm not even sure what all the differences were uh, between it was earlier, green had more and bugs. blue. Cause, I mean, right, cause, but it was it's weird, too, because they had red and green in Japan, and they had red and blue in America. So I'm not really sure what the difference was other than localization. Um, it's, yeah. From what I understand, it's usually localization and a few bugs. Uh, American right. games, the American games or the European games tend to be less buggy. Right. Well, it's because they release them in Japan, find the bugs, release them in the U.S., find more bugs, re-release them in the U.S., fix those first two generations of bugs. Right. If you guys are looking for an interesting YouTube uh, content creator series if we can do those kind of call outs I think we can plug anybody we like because we're uh, not getting paid for this yeah the did you know gaming guys uh, yeah actually I watch them quite a bit they've yeah. got all sorts yeah. of neat I, shit I, like just their little extra thing just all the little trivia about just random stuff but also the very in-depth specific stories and factoids I love stupid factoids that will never benefit me in my adult life right because I you know, it's I still life. know that there's 125 notches around on the edge of the quarter, and you can tell me which game taught me that. Probably. Mm, it's not coming to me. Was it called Dome Wars? Did Dome Wars say that? Yeah. Dome Wars was Scorched Earth on Mac. Okay, so there was... Mac had a competitor to Scorched Earth then. Well, because we didn't have Scorched Earth. We yeah. had Dome Wars. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and when you killed computer players, they would put a random thing in the That's chat. Right. That was like just some like sometimes it was like, "Oh, you killed me," or sometimes it was there are 125 notches around the edge of a quarter, and then he'd explode. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I remember the computer saying things on Scorched Earth. I don't remember them saying there's 125 notches around the edge of a quarter. <laughs> I'm not saying that people who grew up with Max are smarter, because. Nowadays, that's probably not true because, hey, let me tell you, iOS is more dummy-proof than anything. Right. <laughs> uh, I guess what I'm saying is that that guy could have lied to you. 
because he was dying, and he wanted to tell you something that wasn't true as his last act. You know what, though? I, I wondered every time I read that death quote, and, and so I counted one time, there are indeed 125 notches around the edge of a quarter. You, you counted? I did. Okay. Wouldn't you? <laughs> I don't have the patience. <laughs> I would get to five and be distracted by a shiny piece of drywall. If your drywall is shiny, then uh, you've done something wrong. Yeah, quit, uh, quit shining your drywall there. Anyways, I don't think there will be a Metroid Prime 4 trailer because they pretty much said in January, oh, hey, something's gone wrong with Metroid Prime 4 and we're completely restarting production. Handing it over to a different studio, which is Retro Studios, who made the first three Metroid Prime games. Which, which makes you wonder why they didn't have it for them anyway, unless they had I to did have, wonder that. Uh, unless they had to have somebody kind of producing it and working on it in the interim while they were working on something else. I don't know what else they might have been working on. Yeah, they also made more recently Donkey Kong Country Returns and Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze for Wii U. Um... Mm. And then the, the port the system for that, uh, Switch, which if you like any kind of old Donkey Kong platforming, it's fantastic. I've um, heard that, yeah. Absolutely recommend it. I didn't Freeze. get the Wii U. Yeah, it's on Switch now, too. They That's that. good. Switch uh, is good. Wii yeah. U was the awkward stepchild. It was. It was good, but it, it had obvious issues. <laughs> so I'm, I'm not going to defend it that much. The marketing, the stupid name. Right. Yeah. Anyways, uh, like siren next by. rumor, Fallout 4 coming to Switch. I wouldn't be surprised. Right? Wait, Bethesda has been surprising. Fallout yeah, Fallout 4 was released a couple of years ago, I think, for PS4 and Xbox One and PC. Honestly, I'd be surprised if they didn't put it on Switch. I mean, they already put Skyrim on there. Right, and Bethesda also put Doom and Wolfenstein 2 on there. Yeah. So it almost seems to follow suit. I wouldn't be surprised to see this. I don't know. And it seems like they could have done this already if that was their plan. Because now, in theory, you know, they might be doing something else. Which Let's brings us to our next rumor. Fallout 5 will be revealed, maybe. Well, it's about time. Right, Fallout yeah. 5, uh, Elder Scrolls 6, <laughs> one of the two... Mm-hmm. They need. Yeah. They've after, after they announced Elder Scrolls Six last year at E three, but they haven't oh. said anything else since then. They had like a very short cinematic trailer that was like just kind of panning over the big ass open landscape. Yeah, which uh, are getting smaller as they go. Yeah. Well, I guess probably Skyrim was bigger than Oblivion. Probably. Yes, it was. Uh, but you know what? Rage 2, actually, I think is bigger than Skyrim. Just based on what I've kind of been exploring already. Uh, so that's a really cool open world game if you're looking for anything like that. And it's got really Doom 2016 slash Wolfenstein kind of combat, which is really badass in an open world game for some reason. It could be. Yeah. Um. So... Another one of the Fallout 5 rumors is that it would also come to Switch, which I think makes sense, because why not? As long as they're making it. They've been having very good success with their games on Switch so far. Doom sold really good. I guess Wolfenstein didn't sell as good, uh, but... um, 
I, Wolfenstein isn't as popular right now just in general. Well, the Wolfenstein t- and Wolfenstein 2 didn't do as good as Doom 2016 on PS4 either, so I don't see the argument Well, there. yeah, it, 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 the problem with Wolfenstein has always been Nazis. Right. I don't mind killing Nazis. People don't mind killing Nazis. <laughs> there are humans <laughs> who apparently have an issue with that. Really? There are human beings that have an issue with killing Nazis? Apparently. I guess. But not demons? Demons. And are they're cool. willing to openly admit this? Yeah, yeah. And we're not... mutants are fine? Yeah, mutants are fine. Well, that's, that's... I mean, that's kind of like... Mutants are the, are the super corollary to uh, a lot of things. We're not going to get into politics on your podcast. Right. <laughs> but, <laughs> anyways. Uh, next rumor, Mario Kart 9. Is it going to be on Switch? Uh, no, it's going to be on Nintendo DS, not the 3DS, the original. Yes! Okay, good. Because I, then I, I would assume... Because then I care. Also, I, I've got a question that I'm interested in posing to you two. Do you mm-hmm. really think that they're ever going to bother with an actual, quote-unquote, portable Nintendo system again with, you know, in the DS sort of line now that they have the Switch? Um. Because what's the point? I think there is... A potential point. Uh, actually, because uh, there's been actually a fair amount of rumors around that, that Nintendo is going to release a new version of the Switch. Uh, Maybe that's a $200 SKU? It's, that's, that's one of the possibilities, that it's a $200 price point. And I think the $200 as opposed to a $300 buy-in would be very enticing for people to play Pokemon cheaper. Yeah, because well, Pokemon because that was the very big success behind the 2DS, which was the 3DS except it didn't fold and it didn't have 3D and it was objectively worse in every way. But it was only a hundred bucks and people could play Pokemon. Yeah, how much was the 3DS? Uh, at the time, I believe it was one ninety nine. So it's you so know again a hundred bucks yeah. off. Yeah, and that's the thing is you know the days of an eighty dollar you know portable thing or or $50 I would rather have another switch that I would take everywhere with me and even if like the $200 price point made, meant that the uh, the motion controls were like mounted on like the the Joy-Cons didn't come off anymore yeah or that it didn't have the the same HDMI hookup or something mm-hmm. that's still I think better although the HDMI hookup is a great thing because it, you can take it on the go mm-hmm. you can have it at home Either one. Yeah. It's a home system. It's it's the console that ends all consoles. Yeah. I have actually, with my personal Nintendo Switch, I have actually never hooked it up to a TV. I don't have a TV that I regularly use that is capable of taking HDMI. Hmm. So. Well, that's a personal problem. Yeah, so but, I... I yeah, yeah, but it's, it's kind of funny, though, because personally, I, like... I use mine mostly in uh, handheld or uh, tabletop mode, and but when I'm at home and I want to play, I want it to be on the TV. I want it on the big screen because yeah. I just like it better that way. And that's why I actually play tabletop mode more than handheld mode because, like, it's it's funny because I feel like most people just play it in handheld mode when they're on the go, and I always bring my little stand and everything and set it up so I can just play it, and it feels like I'm playing on a TV still. I like that feeling. Uh, and so 
I really kind of shift between. I use it in handheld mode more, be, or in, in tabletop mode more, because I'm on the go more, and that's mostly when I get time to play video games. Right. And lately, when I've been at home, I have a PS4 now, so I play PS4 largely at home and Switch largely on the go. Yeah. So, um... But I still like that utility, especially for multiplayer games when I'm, you know, hey, we have a bunch of guys over. Let's play Super Smash Brothers. You yeah. that on an 8-inch screen? Yeah. It, it works sometimes. We've done yeah. it. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, especially when you've got, like, 8-player Smash, um, yeah. that, that screen doesn't, <laughs> doesn't do it as well. For the controls, I mean, depending on the game, oh. you know, the handheld, like, Zelda was the biggest one for me, like, Trying to do the tilt controls mm -hmm. was always difficult in the mm -hmm. handheld mode. Right. That's one of the things I noticed, because actually I feel like just in general the motion controls flow more fluidly with a pro controller than they do with Joy-Cons or in handheld mode. Yeah. Even with two Joy-Cons in the Joy-Con grip, it feels more fluid on a pro controller. Yeah, I definitely... And that would go for every game I've played in handheld mode, which would be like Splatoon 2, Breath of the Wild, obviously, um, and Doom and Wolfenstein, which... Well, you also grew up playing those kinds of games in, like, the Xbox, where that was, you know, the pro controller for the Switch is just a controller for right. any other game yeah. system. Now... Mm -hmm. Like, I never felt comfortable with the Wii nunchuck. Like, right. that was always the weirdest thing. Mm -hmm. I never liked it. It was workable in some situations, but mostly I liked it when it was just a static controller that I can hit the buttons on. And, yeah, ever since 1987, and I first played a Nintendo, and I moved the whole controller to try and make Mario run faster. <laughs> like, that's always been a thing. It's not moving the... Actually, I've found out that sometimes with, when the motion controls are a thing, like, especially with uh, Mario Kart, mm -hmm. I had to turn off the tilt thing. Because right. I would, like, be sitting in a car and we'd be playing on a road trip or something, and it would start to, like... I, I'd always have to be overcorrecting for something because of the way I happen to be sitting, uh -huh. or I would lean and suddenly... Uh, I've never liked the tilt. Yeah, Lemmy, whoever, uh, multi-colored haired uh, Koopa, Koopa son. I think it's Lemmy. I think it's Lemmy. One of the Koopalings. Yeah, one of the Koopalings. It's either Lemmy or Iggy or... Yeah, I think it was Lemmy. But I, anyway, Lemmy, Lemmy, would, Lemmy I think, was my, my main one. But he'd suddenly steer into a wall. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh. So I'd, I'd always have to turn that off the second that I logged into the Switch. Right. Good thing you've looped back to Mario Kart, so Mario Kart 9, do you think... That's an interesting thing that I've been wondering since Mario Kart 8 Deluxe released on well, Switch. Well, yeah, because it wasn't a new like, one. Yeah, it wasn't a new one, but it still serves the purpose of being a Mario Kart game on Switch. Do they really need a Mario Kart 9 on Switch, or could they wait till whatever next console they have? Okay, let me phrase this to you. If Mario Kart 9 comes out for Switch... Will you buy it? Shit, yeah. Then yes, they need a Mario Kart 9 on Switch because I will buy it. I really like Mario Kart 8. Yeah. I still haven't unlocked all the things. Right. But it's a great game. And if they add more to it, I mean, if they add more to Mario Kart 8, then I'm golden. Yeah. But from a business standpoint, I can understand making a whole new one with a whole new engine. Mm -hmm. That's another thing that I've kind of wondered is maybe they just do uh, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe more DLC 
just add more tracks, add more characters, maybe. I don't even think you really need more characters, but I feel like there's a handful of people that you could throw in, maybe. Because I've heard a lot of people, you know, itching at Mario Kart directors for now that Link and the Inklings are in, like really branching it out to new Nintendo IPs yeah. to like get maybe Samus in there or yeah, Captain if, Falcon because exactly. you know they're if, never going to actually make another F-Zero game no <laughs> he's just a Smash character now let's yeah. be honest like Mr. Game & Watch he's never going to be another Game & Watch game <laughs> right but if it if it if they're in Smash why not put them in Mario Kart right yeah why limit ourselves to just Smash I want to see Arceus drive Mario Kart. <laughs> I want I want Cloud Strife on the bike from Final Fantasy Advent Children. That is the best thing I've ever heard. Except for Link has a motorcycle shaped like a pony. Okay, but he would cool. he would be my secondary main. <laughs> right? Because my main is Link. Because as soon as they revealed that, I was like, dropping everything, I am suddenly maining Link. Yeah. Uh, even though I, I didn't actually have Mario Kart 8, but I... Uh, on Wii U because I never had anybody over but then with Switch I was like oh I can just take this to whoever's place and I can be like hey want a Mario Kart I have four player co-op in my fucking pocket it's the far flung year of 2059 mm-hmm. Mario Kart 13 has just been released I'm now playing Tingle <laughs> please no anybody else <laughs> <laughs> But nobody is happy with that. <laughs> okay, so you take your orange vanilla Coke and you go home. Oh, All right. Okay. Uh, next rumor, I've Eventually. actually been hearing a surprising amount about, which is funny because on our E3 betting special thing a couple of weeks ago, this is one of my predictions, uh, Cadence of Hyrule will shadow drop at E3. Uh, if you haven't heard of Cadence of Hyrule, that is a indie game, The Crypt of the Necrodancer, has actually got the rights to make a Zelda spin-off indie game. Huh. Yeah. Um, so basically, it's it's kind of a, a roguelike game where the the terrain randomly generates every time, like um, like Minecraft. Diablo or or, or. <laughs> technically, <laughs> <laughs> you put Minecraft into anything, you bastard. Or that's because Minecraft fits into anything. Yeah, sure. You're putting a square peg in a square hole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go. Um, Everything in Minecraft so yeah, is uh, square. But you can only peg. move or attack enemies on the beat of the music that's playing. So it's oh. like a rhythm game, action game. So like if Link was a bard. Could be. You're welcome. Why did you have to ruin this for me? I was having a good time until you said that. <laughs> well, you said tingle in Mario Kart, so... <laughs> I think this is fair play. <laughs> okay. That's, I'll drink to that. Uh, speaking of which, this even more Jesus is actually pretty good. Because I just like Imperial Stouts in general. Um, and this is dark and malty and just right punch in the face. Like, look at me. I am malt. Like, it's, it's actually not nearly as hoppy as a lot of Imperial Stouts would be, because I feel like that's a lot of what separates an Imperial Stout from a normal Stout, is that, uh, you know, it's got a lot more hop character, usually a pretty good balance, and then maybe some oatmeal flavor, but this is, like, all malt all the time, and I'm digging it. I'm going to give it a 14. 
Uh, I had this Finkel and Garf oatmeal milk stout, um, which was over there, and I will give that a good solid 15. Sweet. Um, it's already gone. You bet. <laughs> but uh, it was good. Malty, but not not so sweet mm-hmm. as to give you a headache in the morning. Now, right. Believe me. This is sweet enough, I might have a headache in the morning. Yeah, yeah. See, when when you get over like thirty, you know, things start happening differently with alcohol. Let me tell you. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um. So, I predicted this because I was like, Nintendo has been surprisingly doing a lot of shadow drop stuff recently, where they're just like, "Hey, here's a Nintendo Direct," and at the end of it, "Hey, the there's this indie game is releasing right the hell now," or this DLC is releasing after this trailer, <laughs> stuff like that. So I Next think it makes a know, ton of sense. I'm I'm excited for this game. I like I was looking at Crypt of the Necro Dancer in the first place, and it looked cool. And then they revealed this uh, a couple of months ago that they were doing a Zelda spinoff, and I was like, okay, I'm buying the first one. And it's amazing. Wait, 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 wait. Wait. Does this game star Link? Uh, or does it star Derpy Powerpuff Link? It's it's actually Derpy the- Powerpuff Link. Sean <laughs> might know what you mean, but could you explain for... For me, okay. I will, I will, I will pull up. I will pull up the tweet (laughs) because I've tweeted this at Sean multiple times. Right. Well, while he's uh, uh, yeah, over here on this paper towel rack. Um. Anyways, uh, so it 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 was kind of funny actually. I remember the day in middle school. I came home from school and Josh said, "Hey, did you see that new Zelda trailer?" And I said, "No, I've been at school." And he's like, yeah, Link looks like a Powerpuff girl. And admittedly, seeing Wind Waker's art style for the first time, he sort of does. I was a, It was a little hard to take in when I first saw Wind Waker's art style. Yeah, but at, at the same time, it. now that I've played it, like I, I, it actually turned me off really a whole lot when I was in middle school, especially because in middle school I was like, oh no, I'm too grown up for Nintendo games. Yeah, they're for babies. Yeah, look at me. I'm 13. I'm a badass. <laughs> but, um... And now Chris is looking at the meme. But yeah, I, Derpy Link or DSL Link? See, there's Link and then there's Derp Link. <laughs> yeah, but I'm looking at Link on the left, and that's DSL Link. What does that mean? I'm not hep to the lingo. I'm not either, apparently. DSL. I'll not explain it on this podcast. Okay, we'll just leave it at that. You screwed up, so I have to drink. <laughs> uh, yeah. The um, point is, one looks like Link, <laughs> the hero of time, and one looks like a child... <laughs> That did not die heroically trying to stop Ganon and kicking off the most epic Zelda timeline. You know, it had Link to the Past in it, so that's probably true. And Wind Waker. Uh, no. Wind Waker was in the adult timeline. Yeah. Yeah. De- Link dies no, Wind- timeline had. Uh, 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 Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Well, Breath of the Wild is kind of still ambiguous. They haven't officially. Pl- they've officially placed it at the end of 
the timeline, but they have not said you know, which game it is connected to, think, if any, or multiple. I think Hyrule Historia was mostly them saying, you guys want a timeline? Here's your fucking timeline. It's got three branches, but okay. you didn't see that one coming. Fuck you. But there is there is a thing because of the special you know, Hero of Time Link, traditional Link costume that you can mm-hmm. get in Breath of the Wild. There is a theory going around that has a lot of credence because of the design of that costume, where Link has the yellow band on his hat only, only in the the Hero Fall timeline mm-hmm. does he ever wear the yellow band. And he also always has sideburns in that. Yeah. Which they mention in Triforce Heroes and Link Between Worlds, I think. Which are also in that timeline. Yeah. See, best timeline. Yeah. Because he's not a derpy child. I'll agree with that. Except for the... Super like adventure game later. can climb on everything. Spirit Tracks. <laughs> yeah. They don't bring Spirit Tracks. Spirit Tracks had great fucking dungeons. And I'll leave it at that. <laughs> um, so, uh, next rumor. Death Stranding is coming to Switch. What? Uh, Death Stranding is... I'm with you on this one. I don't know what we're talking about. Death Stranding was announced a couple of years ago. They've had, like, a couple of really weird trailers. It is coming from Hideo Kojima. It is his first game since leaving Konami after that whole debacle. Um, and, uh, he's basically started up his own studio and has been making this for, like, four years now. And it's gonna release on PS4... Uh, it the the trailer said PS4 first, so the most people took that as okay. It'll probably come to PC later, maybe Xbox or something. Nobody really expected it to come to Wii U, obviously. But now Wii U is out of the question, and now Switch is in the question. And this is, I think, the most interesting point about this particular rumor is actually. That there is a collector's edition with a whole bunch of extra shit that is priced at $199.99, which is the same price as the Mystery SKU for the Switch. Mm-hmm. Which it's it's like this is like a very obviously graphical powerhouse kind of game that is probably gonna be best on like a PS4 Pro or something. Uh like it's like looking at the graphics in this game. Uh, one of the characters is actually played by Norman Reedus from Walking Dead. Or, or uh, uh, Boondock Saints, Boondock Saints. If you're old like me. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say it. I just didn't get to it yet. But, uh, yeah. Um, so, and, like, they did motion capture out the wazoo, and so it literally just looks like Norman Reedus on screen uh, the entire time. And all the characters are like that. It looks like the most graphically intensive game maybe ever so far. And I don't know that Switch could do anything to it. Like, as much as I love Switch, Switch obviously comes with the caveat of worse frame rate and worse... Uh, Just less graphically powerful. Yeah, it's it's less graphically powerful in, Which in every way. At this so point, I don't know years. if this would be the kind of thing that anybody would port to Switch. 
just for that reason, particularly with such a graphical powerhouse game. But I think it's just really funny to be like, there are these things lining up with the uh, with the skew and the collector's edition of Death Stranding. I don't think it's coming to Switch, but I think it's an interesting prospect, and I would totally buy it for Switch. It sounds fantastic. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't like Norman Reedus? Um, commies? I have no opinion on Norman Reedus one way or the other. But at least you're not a commie. I'm probably not a commie. Okay. Has anyone seen my hammer and sickle? Uh, I don't know. He didn't bring his own beer, but he did share a beer equally that was distributed by uh, overseeing body. Right? You owe Josh and me one-third of a beer each. <laughs> All right, uh, I'll get that to you at some point. Next one, Spyro Reignited Trilogy coming to Switch, and Spyro will be a DLC character for Crash Team Racing. I would believe that. That just sounds way too plausible. I can see it. It makes sense. Yeah. All those old PlayStation... See, see, I was a Nintendo guy, so I didn't have a PlayStation until later. Right. And then the PlayStation, like, the lid broke, and we had to put a book on it. Yeah. So that it would uh, play. And then we got a PS2, which was pretty much, hmm, best system ever, PS2 or Nintendo Switch? Uh... If I say we, you, how angry will you get? No. Uh, I'll just I'll just laugh because right. that's obviously not true. Right, yeah. Uh, Wii U has almost the best controller ever. You can listen to our last week's episode of the podcast for that interesting debate between me and Crow. Um, but anyways. Uh, you yeah. a tablet? Yeah, it was so fucking cool and big. Like, why are all controllers that big? For what it's worth, best controller ever is keyboard and mouse. You know what? I almost brought that up, and then it accidentally didn't come up, because I guess Crow and me are both neither not, like, PC PC gamer guys. Yeah, see, now I grew up playing more console, and that was way more comfortable to me until playing a lot of, like, World of Warcraft and Minecraft and things on PC, and now... Well, I've also played Minecraft on controller, and I tried to figure out how to do World of Warcraft, and it didn't work very well at the time. Mm-hmm. There are definitely things that I prefer to do with a controller, and things that I prefer anything in first person. Mm-hmm. Keyboard and mouse. Yeah. 100%. Mm. You Any know what? Real-time strategy I might have... Because I would get the idea, because the mouse is so precise as compared to a joystick, and... But I still just never really liked it as well, personally. And now I see the difference only because of Switch and the motion controls in first-person shooter aiming. And I would put forth that motion control aiming is equivalent to mouse aiming. It could be. Because you still have that fluidity and you still have that preciseness. Yeah, it's not... It's not removing um you're you're moving and pointing at something you're not moving a thing which you know there's not a uh, a middle ground you know a a translation between 
like as much as I used to play Halo with a you know thumbstick. Mm-hmm. It's a hundred percent different. Also, that's the weird thing is like if I ever play on a controller, it's inverted. If I ever play on a mouse, it's not. Yeah, that's the same for me because like I don't remember exactly. I, it was probably Halo when I started playing inverted because the only other shooter I was playing around that time that had dual stick control was not dual stick. It was like one stick and four buttons because it was on Dreamcast when we were playing Quake 3. Yeah. And and I don't remember if it was you who suggested I invert it or if it was just default inverted in one of them or the other. It was not default inverted on um, uh, Halo. So... Probably I suggested it. Okay, could be. Yeah, and and then I've just always done that ever since, and now I I can't live without it. <laughs> it's it's weird. Uh, next rumor: Fable Four is coming to Xbox One. They got rid of Peter Molyneux, so it's probably going to be better than advertised for once. Well, except all of the fables were still pretty good. Yeah, they weren't as good as as advertised. I'll grant that. And, and none of them really lived up to the first one. No. And the first one didn't live up to the first one as far as the advertising went. But that was kind of the blessing and the curse of mm-hmm. Peter Molyneux. And yeah, the first one was the best. The second one was fantastic. The third one was... The third one... The third one would have been much better if the entire menu system wasn't actually like walking around in different rooms that, to access different parts of the menu. That really did. Like I didn't help. want to walk into my treasure room and select the potion from the shelf. I just want a fucking menu. <laughs> yeah, uh, but or, it was voiced by John Cleese, so you know there's that. Yeah, you know there were there were bonuses. The uh, the second one also the combat was really clunky. I felt like especially compared to the first and third. Uh, Wasn't it the second one where there was just no consequence for dying? You just got back up again? Maybe. I don't feel like there was a major consequence for dying in any of them, particularly other than, you, I mean, you have to you restart the, at the level over or whatever. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the room. Yeah. I mean, as far as how much was going on, and the, the the scope of the world and what you could do in it, it it feels like, and the customization of your character was the the central selling point of all the Fable games. Mm-hmm. The first one was the best in that because there was more armor, there were more skills, there was more abilities. Mm-hmm. Even if there weren't firearms, and I couldn't be a pirate bard. Right. You get drunk and keep Although then I remember that you told me right when they announced Fable 2 all you wanted to be was a cleric with a gun and then we got the game and you couldn't actually heal your friends you could only heal yourself so you still couldn't be a cleric with a gun. Yeah. So. <laughs> yep. And and the multiplayer was weird in Fable 2 as well cuz like you the other person could join your game and then they would just have like this default skin that looked really weird. Yeah. The, and they could collect gold, and that was it. I think they didn't yeah. even get experience for their character. Yeah. The and they third fixed one, that in Fable Three, where you could come in and be your own actual guy. But at the same time, you like it. It just you weren't the the whole progression. Like the story was fine in Fable Three. It was just the. The progression system and everything else right. was 
weird and I feel funky. like the only weird thing in the story in Fable 3 was like pretty close to the end like there's that thing where it's like you are suddenly the king and you have to make all the decisions for the economy and whatever and you either have to be a hilariously evil douchebag or work in the bakery making pies for 75 hours to collect all the debt that you've yes because of the things that you've and then there's the final challenge after that that you have to like pay off all of the debt that you've done just to not be a total dick to your kingdom yeah, the, and the, I never did that final challenge because I was like, okay, I'm doing side quests. I did. I think I did all the side quests, and then I worked jobs for like a couple of hours until I got bored of all the mini games, and then I never did the final challenge. That was the same with me. Is I literally was working toward the good guy ending, but it was so it was like five million gold, and you're yeah. getting like ten for every beer you sell. Yeah, something like that. Um, so my overall take on Fable 4 for Xbox One, I'm not going to buy an Xbox One for Fable 4. I have an Xbox One. I don't play on it that much, and maybe I don't actually care anymore. Yeah. But it would be cool. Like, I like the idea. I want there to be a better capstone on the series than 3 was. Yeah. Put it on Steam and I'll play it. Yeah, actually, this is a game that... If it was, like, well-reviewed and everything, if it came to PC, I might look at it for PC, which is not something I'll say for most series. But if it came to PC, I'd check it out. A new Darksiders game is coming. I haven't played any of the Darksiders games, but it sounds like they're very Zelda-like. I think I played one once, maybe. I'm not even sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, Playing as Darksiders? Nope, my... This yeah, is, so I, um, no, none of no us have played this. Don't really have a stake in it. Yep. Uh, maybe it'll be great. Who knows? New Destroy All Humans game. Actually, this was confirmed earlier today. They are remaking Destroy All Humans. I never played the first one. Me I neither. Understand it was like kind of a cool classic. I might play it this time around if it comes out for anything I, I usually play on. I think that's it's coming to much, Switch. That's that's the best I, description is it's kind of a cult classic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's fine enough. Uh yeah. Snow Snow's Zelda, Snow Minecraft. Right. I mean there are there are like I don't cult know. Classics. I saw it and I, I was really... like, looks kinda interesting maybe, but didn't ever interest me enough to buy it when I had money for video games and so it probably wouldn't interest me now that I have not very much money for video games. Yeah, there are cult classics that I will like pick up and shove in people's faces and say, "Go play this." And this you isn't and one Dwarf of them. Fortress. My Dwarf Fortress is a cultural <laughs> masterpiece. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> uh, new Call of Duty this year is going to be Modern Warfare. Uh, the least interesting Call of Duty, right? I don't actually <laughs> care. Me neither. I mean. I haven't played a Call of Duty game since the first Modern Warfare, which was still Call of Duty 4. Right. (laughs) When there wasn't a difference between Call of Duty and Modern Warfare, sort of. Uh, Yeah. I'm probably not going to get another one. I mean, pretty much everything I I ever wanted from... Like a crap load of money and my kids start, you know, taking care of themselves somehow. Yeah, Yeah, everything that I wanted out of a Modern Warfare type game was done... Ten years ago, in Modern Warfare. Yeah, I didn't even like it that much. 
Well, no, because we didn't have shields. Yeah. I don't like shooters that are realistic. I want over-the-top <laughs> bullshit. Like Team Fortress 2? Like Team Fortress 2. Hmm, valid. <laughs> and uh, Rage 2 now. Doom. Yeah. Halo. That's what I want in a shooter. Um, not There's nothing horribly Enjoy wrong with Call of Duty. I, I also feel like all of the maps in COD 4 were totally based on, like, not shotgun guy. So I was just fucked all the time. You, you have to learn to adapt. Like, I don't like, want to adapt. I want a shotgun. Babbitt managed to do this with C4 and a knife. <laughs> I don't want a C4 and a knife. I want a shotgun. I still don't understand how he did that. Are you <laughs> He's a mystic Babbitt. So oh, there's our other brother we've accidentally mentioned. You already mentioned him earlier. I think I, you the yeah, beer. I thought about that. Yeah. We've uh, had a few beers. Yeah. That's why I don't remember mentioning him. <laughs> Another Zelda game will be announced. Yeah, uh, hey, I got a stake in this. Dude. That was one of my E3 bets. It was, actually, now that you mention it. Uh, so, yeah, why do you think a new Zelda game will be announced, Chris? It seemed like the right time, so it seemed like not a super safe bet, but a safe enough bet. I mean, it's possible, but there's also two Zelda-like things, because there's Cadence of Hyrule, obviously, mm-hmm. and then later this year we're going to get... Link's Awakening for Nintendo Switch. Which that is, I'm excited about. Yeah, that looks like the coolest remake ever because obviously that was my first Zelda game and I'm just going to be hyped about it no matter what they do. Uh, even if it's a dumpster fire, I'm going to love it. And it doesn't look bad. looks good. I like it. Um, the art style kind of took me aback for a minute after I first saw the gameplay because it's like it almost looks like toys moving around in a little garden or something. But it, it, like, after I watched the trailer a couple of times, I'm like, okay, actually, this is kind of interesting. And it sort of is reminiscent of the old sprites that were used in the game, so I'm like, that's okay. Does Marin I'm still cheer you that. sometimes when you uh, beat a cuckoo? Probably. Then... She's a sadistic bitch. Yeah. And that's why I love her. And ship her with Link every time. Uh, <laughs> so it... Malon. 100% Malon. But was Malon just another translation of the word of the name Marin? Because R and L are similar in Japanese. I don't know, but I drank her milk. <laughs> what about Romani? Who? Uh, <laughs> Malon, except for she was. They took her 3D model and made her somebody else. And had Majora's her abducted mask. by aliens? They did. Majora's mask was weird. Baldur's Gate 3. So this is this one. was also actually confirmed yesterday, I think. Yeah, Baldur's Gate Three is coming to Switch, Xbox, and PS4, I think. And the studio doing it is the same studio that did Divinity: Original Sin and Divinity Two. So I feel like it's in good hands. Okay. Um, I didn't I, play any of those, but I feel like I remember when they came out ish, and they were fairly well reviewed. So I don't know where what they'll do for Baldur's Gate Three since. Baldur's Gate 1 and 2 were kind of their own self-contained story. So is, this is related to the original Baldur's Gates, not the Dark Alliance ones, right? Yes. Okay, because that's an interesting point that I was going to wonder if this was a rumor, but then it was confirmed recently, so now it's actually more of a discussion point than a rumor. Because um, the only one I've ever played, well, we played 
Did we play both Dark Alliance games? Yeah. I think so, yeah. Uh, back on, like, PS2. Um, PS1? Yeah. PS2? Might have been the original Xbox. I feel like it was PlayStation, but it might have been like Xbox. It. I'm not sure. Maybe we had one on each. I don't, I don't know. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I've always kind of been ex- interested in Baldur's Gate 1 and 2. Uh, the the original original ones, so, not the so Dark like, Alliance. Yeah, but so not, I never not the action RPG, but the uh, more CRPG. Yeah, the, and those were those were the games that introduced me to CRPGs. Because mm-hmm. you know, I'm, yeah. So uh, hype for that a little bit. I I'm, think it looks sounds pretty cool. Uh, I'm up for it. I'm up for it. I'm cautiously optimistic. All right. And that's uh, more than he said about most of these games. So. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, Ubisoft is making a new roller derby game. I don't care. <laughs> Chris doesn't care. <laughs> um, so if this is true, what I want to see is like something like the roller derby in Alita Battle Angel. Where I it, still need to see that movie. Yeah, that was actually a pretty good movie. Um, uh, I liked it pretty well. Kind of... You know, had a little bit of a convoluted storyline, but it's obviously leading into a sequel or possibly multiple part uh, movie thing. Uh, so I, I think it's, it's okay that it's kind of convoluted. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it it's based off of a fucking manga anyway. So it, like, if you're going into a thing that's based off of a manga and you don't expect it to be convoluted, you're stupid or you've never read a manga. <laughs> Uh, one or the other. But, yeah, the because the, there's kind of like this roller derby sort of game in Alita. It's part of the world where, like, everybody's trying to get this ball for some reason. Like, the, the ball seems pretty much superfluous. It seems pretty much like roller derby, except you're killing each other with swords. <laughs> and, and, like, most of the people are cyborgs, so they're, like, rocket-powered roller derby and swords and just killing the poop out of each other. Um, so that's what I want to see from a roller derby game. Or like like a road rash, but roller derby. So you're like whipping people with chains and lead pipes. Well, now you're talking, but there's less nitrous in roller derbies. And now yeah, all I can think skates. of is Redline. Man, that movie was awesome. All right, next, uh, we've kind of touched on this one. The next rumor is that there's going to be a new Switch system. Uh, could be that... One hundred ninety nine ninety nine skew or uh, this is kind of funny because actually the Wall Street Journal of all people has reported multiple times that sometime this year Nintendo is going to release two different models of the Nintendo Switch, an upgraded Super Switch or a Switch Pro or a Switch XL or something like that, and a Switch Mini or a only on the go Switch or something like that. So. Uh, I think if both are coming, both are maybe going to be announced at the same time. I could really see them making a cheaper Switch for Pokemon. It, yeah. it was really successful with uh, the 2DS and uh, Pokemon Sun and Moon. I don't see why they wouldn't repeat that. Yeah, it, it, it makes perfect sense for them to sell a lower-end system that people will play... I mean, Pokemon is not the best-selling game series of all time. 
Right, but it's it's but it's really it's up, there. up there, especially for Nintendo. Oh yeah, I Nintendo. Mean, it's like their big three. Everybody almost kind of thinks of being Metroid and Mario and Zelda, but in terms of sales, their big three are Mario and Pokemon and Donkey Kong. Yeah, and Donkey always Kong. sell way better than any other of their IPs. Donkey Kong's the the one that surprises. Donkey me. Kong is it, it almost because it it's not something that people talk about quite as much, but it's something that people buy a lot. Uh, Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze is one of those I believe is over ten million copies sold on Switch on the remake. Uh, Mario Kart Eight is obviously one of those as well. Um, and I think those are the only two remakes that have sold over 10 million on Switch, which is absolutely mind blowing that there's remakes that are selling 10 million copies on a on well, a new console. To be fair, they were originally for Wii U, which mm. so a lot of people who skipped Wii U like me are coming around to pick them up this you know, that's, that's, next time around. <laughs> yeah, that, that was actually kind of where I went because I actually had a Wii U, and it's funny, the games that I played on Wii U, I haven't bought, I haven't got Hyrule Warriors again, uh, but I've got Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze I didn't play, uh, Splatoon the original I didn't play, I'm really, really big into Splatoon 2, so much fun, I really wanted to play the original Splatoon, but it looked like one of those great, like, almost invite four friends over and have a blast kind of things and now splatoon 2 is a lot more focused on online multiplayer and i would go as far as to say it's my favorite online multiplayer shooter of all time with the only possible exception being halo odst which we played a shitload of we did now no or reach Halo. It was ODST Reach. with me. Reach, Reach, Babbitt. Played we we played both of them kind of at this, but I, yeah, I feel like ODST was the one because you and me played a lot of like two v two matches. Yeah, yeah, that might have been a Halo two or three. Because right. ODST was the third person one. No, they were all they were all first person. I guess it was just on the turrets. ODST had the like the survival against the waves of monsters mode. Yeah, that was that cool. was the biggest because I'm because we love that, especially just you know with you know all four of us, you and me and Dan and Babbitt. Yeah, playing four players versus the giant horde of guys. That's why we it was our favorite mode in Gears of War as well. And yeah, some of the Ghost Recon games. Yep. Before um, they got into the advanced warfighter, ridiculous. Right, I think we played the first. We did, and, and I, I, I just don't remember having as much fun with it as any of the original Xbox ones. It wasn't as much fun. Yeah, even in the horde survival mode thingy. I did have a, uh, I did have a sniper rifle that shot like a twenty-two millimeter grenade, so there that was go. fine. Yeah. All right, and um, coming to our last couple of uh, things here. There have been various Zelda remake rumors coming all over the place, so instead of a new Zelda game, I guess I could have kind of lumped this in, but I didn't. Um, it has been rumored that we are going to get Twilight Princess, Wind Waker, Skyward Sword, Ocarina of Time, or and or Majora's Mask remade to Switch. I could see any of them. I don't expect any of them. If 
Maybe. There was only one remake? Mm-hmm. I would bet it would be Twilight Princess. Seems like the next hmm. in the logical order. I would have said Ocarina. I feel like they could take the assets from Ocarina of Time 3D for 3DS, up-res them to 1080p, redo the interface a little to not be a two-screen interface, and call it good. I feel like that would be the quickest turnover. And like they've at already that point, done the groundwork. That's how yeah, I basically. would be and buy Ocarina of Time for the sixth time. Right. <laughs> and the same thing I feel like could be said of Majora's Mask. There has been a lot of two-pack rumors that uh, Wind Waker and Twilight Princess are coming over as a two-pack or a three-pack with Skyward Sword or something like that. And the Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask, obviously both of those were 3DS. I could kind of see them as a two-pack. Honestly, knowing Nintendo, they're going to piecemeal it out. They're going to charge us 60 bucks for each one, I bet. I don't think they're going to do any kind of combo pack. Um, and because they made Twilight Princess on Wii U, I don't think it's going to be Twilight Princess unless they do a Wind Waker first. If they do a port of Wind Waker... Oh, I, they could, I forgot they could about Twilight do, Princess HD. Yeah, they did Wind Waker and Twilight Princess HD for Wii U. So I could see if they're doing both of those, maybe Twilight Princess, but the next obvious one for me would be a Skyward Sword HD because that's, you know, we're actually coming up on, let's see, the eighth year... Well, if they released it in 2020, it would be the ninth year anniversary. So they did Twilight Princess after its 10th year anniversary. So that would be pretty close to remake it, you know, nine years after the fact and upraise it to HD. And I feel like there's a large, large outcry for that. Because um, Skyward Sword is one game I feel like suffered in being a late, late gen game for the original Wii, it really didn't look as good as most things that were coming out at the time for PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360 because the Wii was just not as powerful. And I feel like if they put all those textures in HD, I feel like it would look a billion times better. <laughs> so if they're going to do something, I think it's going to be Skyward Sword, but I don't think they're going to do anything. Anybody else got anything to say? You're the expert. All right. You write for the website and everything. <coughs> yeah. And the uh, last thing, last rumor we have, Nintendo 64 Classic or GameCube Classic or both, or perhaps adding Nintendo 64 or GameCube games to the uh, Nintendo Switch online service. I want the online service. I also would take the online service. I don't... Once you get to the N64, I I feel like the nostalgia appeal of a tiny little duplicate console like that doesn't really appeal anymore. You just want, you know... Well, especially since games. you need four controllers for it to really be like it should. That's yeah. the funny thing, because I would be... I was kind of wondering about that when... Because last year there was a lot of rumors around the N64 Classic, because there was a lot of things lining up... Like, they actually trademarked a, like, white silhouette of the N64 controller and some other N64, like, they re-upped their trademarks on several Nintendo 64-related trademarks. 
and they did the same thing right before they announced the NES Classic and the same thing before they announced the Super Nintendo Classic with their respective controller designs and whatever, whatever. So that uh, would point to them. Right, but that was before that. last year's E3. And then now we've had, like, no news on that front for, like, since that time. So at this point, I wonder if there was a hiccup in, like, getting the uh, legal rights to produce X game. Or if they just were opening the door to potentially do that in the future at such a time as it did become appropriate. It could be. Um because, honestly, I also would like them to just add N64 and GameCube games to the online service. Because right now, the online service is like, eh, it's okay. Yeah, see, that would give them a good reason for more people to be on their online service. Yeah. First off. Right. Second, and you know how many times I tried for an NES Classic. Yes, I do. And I couldn't get it. Because the entire thing was such a miss handled botch in the yeah. way that Nintendo always mishandles their console launches. Mm. They always underestimate how many they need. Ever since 1985, they've been running short on physical consoles. Right. Every single time. And the, the NES Classic was sold out in pre-orders. Pre-orders sold out. There was no actual, like, maybe you could line up for, like, the two or three that Best Buy had. But 50 mm. people line up at 5 a.m., I'm not one of them. Right. If I was, I wouldn't have been the third one in line, yeah, so I after, wouldn't have got one anyway. After that whole thing happened with the NES Classic, I had the same thing happen with the Super Nintendo Classic because I went to GameStop when the, the day the Super Nintendo Classic launched uh, at 4 a.m. GameStop opens at 10. When I got there, there were 12 people in line in front of me and GameStops had 12 consoles. Yeah. So I was literally the first person there that didn't get one. Yeah. And I was like, why didn't I go at midnight? Or why didn't I camp here the night before? You yeah. Know? See, and, and it was so hard, too, because like I walked over to Target. Target was sold out. I drove down the road to Best Buy. That Best Buy was sold out. But then it was almost hilarious because I almost would have got one because me and my buddy... Uh, Cody were traveling all around these different stores to try and find one together. And um, he drove down to the other Best Buy uh, way across town because he got a tip that they were going to release their consoles at, like, the pre-orders that nobody came to collect. They were going to release those at, like, 12 p.m. or 1 p.m. or something, noon or 1 p.m. And so we're both going right there after we've been driving around and calling different stores all day. And he got there, and they had two left. And I would have got the other one. They wouldn't let him get two because of the demand for it. So he couldn't buy it for me and let me pay him back. But I could have got it, but my Jeep actually broke down on the way there. It was... That was another weird story because I was just driving down the highway. Nothing seems wrong. And suddenly my engine sounds really, really, really loud. And then my transfer case exploded. Yeah. Yeah. Now I have a truck. Hmm. That <laughs> so was some the, shit. <laughs> so the, the, the point is, Nintendo is terrible. Like, the Switch was sold out. And, and, and I know that that also creates 
extra demand because everybody hears right. that it's in demand. It, Josh says for Nintendo is terrible. Like the Switch, where it's going to be on the market for an indefinite period of time for five years, seven years, whatever they... Because their, their no. original announcement, they said they want to be Switch is their current console for seven years, uh, which yeah. is actually kind of long for a console lifespan, but it's doable. But with that kind of thing, even if you're going like the five years, which is roughly the lifespan of most consoles, I'm... That's a that makes sense. There's always a shortage of that. That it happens with phones. It happened with like the Pixel and the Galaxy, the last couple of generations. Uh, it happened with even the Wii U was sold out for two weeks well, after yeah. its like launch. All six people new bought tech. one in the state of Colorado. Shut up! I was one of those guys. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, you know, it's it's with new technology. I think. If it's going to be on the market for a long time, it's still a sustainable practice because they're basically pr- producing as many as they think they'll sell or even maybe a little more. And with a new, new thing, it just – it has that demand. It will make those sales. Wii U sold like I think a quarter of its lifetime sales in like the first six months. Right. Something like that. I, I and, Don't and, quote me on that, but it's it was something kind of close to that. But again, that's understandable for the console they're going to be running for five years. When it's mm-hmm. a limited run available for like a month or something, yeah. like the NES Classic, like the SNES Classic, both times they didn't make enough to create artificial demand, which makes me really cynical about they don't actually want a lot of people to get these they just want to make the money and get the hype and get back on everybody's lips. And that's that's terrible. That's yeah. not customer-first business practice. Yeah. And, and, like, I've never, like, I was ready to never buy another Nintendo product again because of my terrible, terrible experience trying to get the NES Classic. Right. I was pissed. I was not happy, and I was very dissatisfied. And it was it was annoying, and it was hard. And I grew up with Nintendo, and like Sega, you know, love Sonic just fine. PlayStation Crash Bandicoot is okay, it's fine. I grew up with Nintendo. Mario is my dude, and I'm like, I don't care anymore. I don't want to try to get the new thing. Because I'm going to assume that you're not going to make enough because you've never made enough in 30 years of making consoles. You've never had enough for the opening season. Yeah, yeah, the opening day. Hey, I got I got a story that when I went to get the Wii at launch, uh, I got number 7 of 30. <laughs> so... Yeah, I, that one was, I had that with the Wii, actually. Uh, that was a, a very unexpected thing, because like, I don't think anybody could have reasonably predicted that the Wii would do that well, because the N64 did kind of meh compared to the PlayStation. The GameCube did kind of meh compared to PS2 and Xbox original. And then the Wii, they were just like, okay, here's a new thing. And their marketing campaign was somehow exactly the thing that everybody wanted right then. And it blew up like hell. Uh, Nintendo. So that one is understandable. But again, the rest of them, it's like, 
what the hell are you doing there, guys? Because now, now, as long as we're telling salt stories about Nintendo, I'm gonna, <laughs> I can't, re- you know, resist bringing up my fucking Breath of the Wild, going to the store, being literally the first person at GameStop, and not being able to pre-order the Master Edition. I got the special edition. I was one of three people at that store that got the special edition because Nintendo not only underproduced the master edition, but also didn't tell anybody at any time that it was an online exclusive. You could only get it online through GameStop, Best Buy, and Amazon. And that sold out within about an hour of its announcement. And I went to the store the next morning uh, because they announced it at, like, you know, a Direct. The Nintendo Direct, I think, dropped at, like, 9 p.m. our time in America. So most GameStops in America were closed. And I went in the very next day, waited in line. Like, I, I was there early to make sure I would get a Switch at launch in general and a Breath of the Wild at launch in general. And I wanted that Master Edition, and it doesn't come with that much more than the Collector's Edition that I got. But I'm still just really angry that I don't have a Master Sword statue. (laughs) I'm like, that's all I wanted, was the biggest, baddest version of this. And it was so shitty, because I went to that GameStop, and I asked for the Master Edition, because I knew the name of the coolest Collector's Edition. And the guy at GameStop said that he wanted one too and he didn't know why he couldn't pre-order one. And he was freaking out the entire day and I was calling back and forth to different stores. I called back to him to, you know, every couple hours to see if he'd figured anything out and eventually we figured out together that it was that online only deal and Nintendo to this day has yet to say anything about that. Yeah, so <laughs> that's that's the lesson learned. Nintendo, we don't want any more console special anything launches. Nintendo, yeah. we've never had a launch that we didn't mishandle. Yeah, and that's the thing is like, if they had just either that or send me a free Master Sword statue, and I'll forgive you. I mean, I bought I I bought the equivalent actually more than the equivalent. I bought a knockoff NES Classic from China for eleven dollars on eBay. It has like a thousand games. Most of them don't actually exist or they're retextures. I swear there's one that's Mario 2 with the DuckTales characters or DuckTales with Mario in it. I don't remember <laughs> I, what I it was. I have a hacked version of Zelda 1. The last time I played through Zelda 1, I played it on an emulator on my phone and I found a hacked version where I play as Pikachu. Yeah. See, <laughs> like, like literally, I was willing to spend... $70 for the real one. I spent $11 for the knockoff that kind of worked. But, you know, at that point, I don't care anymore. Mm-hmm. I wanted the real one. They wanted to sell it for the nostalgia, but they weren't willing to make mm-hmm. enough or market enough. It, it, if they if they say, we've got uh, 500000 for pre-orders, and they sell out of all those 500000 there's at least 500,000 people that want that Nintendo system. really right. wanted your money. They would provide a better service than pirates. <laughs> that's that's a very good way yeah. of saying. It. It really Admittedly, just, the emulation quality is like seven times 
million times. Oh, now. yeah. Now, 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 because the only reason I have an SNES Classic, which I had already not decided to try for because of the NES Classic debacle, mm-hmm. you managed to get us one. Yeah, uh, which was actually another several debacles, because as I said, I had problems opening day. Uh, yeah. And before that, I had actually pre-ordered one on Walmart, but apparently Walmart sold too many pre-orders. Yeah. So they canceled like half their pre-orders, which, fuck you, Walmart. Yeah. So <laughs> see, they even screw all their, over other companies who want the pre-orders because their customers do. Mm-hmm. Because it was like the moment I could pre-order it anywhere, I was ready to. Yeah. I was like holding on to this extra $80 in my bank account for a Super NES Classic, and I wouldn't let my wife spend any money. I wouldn't spend any money no matter what was going on because I knew this thing was coming. And it came, and I pre-ordered it, and Walmart emailed me like two days later and said, sorry, we fucked up. Yeah. So, no, I don't want to... I don't want an N64 Classic, because as much as that would kind of be cool, I also don't have that many inputs left on my TV. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. I don't keep my NES or Super NES Classic hooked up most of the time. Well, Just every now and then when I have an itch, I'm like, yeah, I want to play Super Mario World. I got, World. I got three Fuck HDMI it. ports, um, so I've got my PS4, uh, I've got my Xbox One, and I've got one floater. Yeah. Yeah. I got a Switch, a PS4, and a Chromecast, so I'm yeah. (laughs) See, see, I would much rather like I've usually got the uh, I've usually got the Switch hooked up to that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's a PS2. Sometimes it's the uh, we've still got a DVD player. But if I just left the Switch on there, if I had the Switch on there all the time, I'd be happy with that. If I can get my the other thing is the N64. They trademarked the controller. Silhouette, whatever. Mm-hmm. The N64 controller is terrible. Have you tried to play on one of those since 1998? I have, actually. We went over to Peyton's house. Peyton was on the podcast a little bit ago. Actually, that was a while ago for the listeners. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, we went over to his place, and he was like, dude, let's all play Pokemon Stadium 2. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we did. And actually, maybe that was at somebody else's house, I feel like. But anyways, Peyton was there. Was the point of the story, and we played Pokemon Stadium too. And mini games were hilarious because Pokemon Stadium was all about mini games, like ninety percent. Well, that was the <laughs> that was the style at the time. Yeah, lots of mini games and uh, a little bit of actual content. Yeah, and but, and, but it worked because it's like, hey, look, three D Pokemon, which in nineteen ninety eight to you know two thousand two was like that was mind blowing. That's amazing. Yeah, but yeah. but like. If you go back and play the original GoldenEye, now imagine a first-person shooter, but you move with your left hand, you shoot with your left hand, mm-hmm. you look up and down with your right thumb on some buttons. I remember GoldenEye. Yeah. Like, at the time, you're like, okay, like, I, I swear that there was one, like, you had to hold, like, one of the buttons and you'd move the stick and then it would move where you're aiming. Like, it's been long enough ago that I've forgotten because of nostalgia all the terrible ways that you had to interface with this game to aim up and down. Yeah. 
Doom, the original Doom, you didn't have to aim up and down. I, right, you yeah, pointed at the thing it, it, in the. It would auto up and yeah, down for it, you if it there would was aim in the Y axis if you already had the X and Z axis. Yeah. I don't want to cut us short, actually, but I think we're already at almost two hours here. Uh, yeah, you, you were getting pretty close. I, I looked earlier and, and we were. Uh, yeah, actually, we're at an hour 50, so I, I was going to skip our table topic for today, unfortunately, because we are at a, over our normal runtime anyway, and I don't want to we'll, we'll do it. go We'll do it long. some other time. Yeah, it was, but we had to do that last week, too, so I think next week we'll do two table top topics. Hey, table that, topics. that table is... Topics. I'll be listening. I won't be able to join you. Oh, right, the Renaissance man. Festival. Yeah. So, if you uh, like this, though, that was our last uh, E3 rumor, unless you guys have heard any other weird-ass rumors... Uh, George R. R. Martin is producing a game. Mm. Actually, I think I might have heard about that one, and then I forgot about it. Oh, and Chris brought a thing. I did bring a thing. I almost forgot about Chris brings a thing. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned Chris. that to me. Chris, you bring a thing. What did you bring? I brought uh, some random ass thing that I just picked up when I was picking up some other stuff I wanted, and I actually ended up really liking it. Deadly Dungeons. Cool. Uh, which uh, is just deadly. a bunch of random-ass dungeon rooms that <laughs> have weird things going on with them. Is this compatible with any version of Dungeons & Dragons? Yes. Yes, it is. Including second. And a sp- yes, it would probably be more compatible with second than it would with uh, later editions. Yeah. Um, Who still plays with second edition? Why would you answer that question like that? I, I, so I played the- second edition with a group uh, <laughs> maybe a few years ago. Uh, it was it was so it's like vaguely recently, but not that recently. Uh, it was because it was um, a buddy of mine had talked to me about playing D and D, and he'd never played before. And so he's like, "Hey, will you DM a game for us?" And I was like, "Yeah, okay, that sounds fun." And he said, "Okay." And I invited my buddy. He's played D and D, but he wants to play Second Edition because he played First Edition and Second Edition right when they came out, but never has played D and D again. So he's only familiar with Second Edition. And I was like, "Okay, sure. I guess I'll look into Second Edition again." And you know, uh, then I think I stole your Second Edition handbooks from mom and dad's house. And borrowed them for a moment. <laughs> also, another fun fact: the first two Baldur's Gates were second edition. So, right, yes. that was my official introduction to D anD. d Yeah. Uh, so then I I ran that for them, and it was kind of funny because he actually hadn't played in long enough that he actually had no idea what second edition was doing either. So eventually, I was just like, "Yeah, okay, I'm making it three five, so at least I know what the fuck is going on." <laughs> uh, yeah, this actually looks kind of interesting because it it looks like vague enough that it can be used in any RPG system, because there's not, like, written out rules in anything, but, um... You can take a look at that, Josh. Uh, yeah, uh, so... But it's got a lot of, like, fairly decent descriptions, and if you're just gonna shove some random stuff in a dungeon, that looks actually like a kind of a neat little supplement. You know, I've, uh... The more I've been role-playing, the less I seem to... Uh, gelatin side effects 2d6. Nice. Um, <laughs> the less I've relied on any given system. Like, I can usually... Um, we, we, we can have just as much fun in a, set, in a session where people tell me kind of their character, their backstory, and that's all we worry about. Like, mm-hmm. if you're a sword guy... That is sword guying because your family was murdered and you want to avenge them. 
Mm-hmm. Or if you're a fighter with 16 strength and 15 dexterity and 16 constitution, and you have various feats, you know you can tell the same thing in two paragraphs as you can in an entire character sheet. Mm-hmm. So at that point, mainly I just kind of figure out how physically capable you are, how good you are in combat. You know, I'll just say make a roll. We'll always use a d20 because that's a decent amount of variance. Mm-hmm. And we just kind of go from there. You know, is it a success? Is it a failure? Yeah. So, uh, looking at that book, would it be something you're interested in picking up? That is something I'm interested in picking up. Who did the art? Uh, I have no idea who did the art. What I do know is that there's a bunch of quotes on the back of this book, but they're all by the author. (laughs) That's funny. That cover is way too good for this book. Nick L. Hess Whelan. Uh, Triumph Publishing Collection. Five-year-old blog post was a bold move. Taking two years to get the project done was bolder still. Making people pay for it was the boldest move of all. That Nick L.S. Whelan. He's a hero. Nick L.S. Whelan. (laughs) (laughs) What a cheeky bastard. I like him already. (laughs) So I I picked this up with two other items that I would eventually bring on for Chris Brings a Thing. But uh, this was the weird one that I picked up just because it had the interesting cover. And I ended up really liking Mm -hmm. the uh, interior of it. Yeah. So, uh, Bugaboo freaks 1d20. <laughs> 1 through 8, normal bugs, something entirely mundane. A pebble, a wooden spoon, a handkerchief, etc. 9 to 10, bulging eyes, reforms a door of the, on the wall of the room. If there is nowhere for it to go, the referee may choose one of two options, whichever fucks up their map the least. <laughs> this seems promising. <laughs> right? That's actually totally kind of to your style, too. It really is. It's very fly by the seat of your pants. Yeah. Uh, which actually, uh, my video game or my, uh, table topic this week, because Josh was on the podcast was going to be, what is the proper BS to preparedness ratio? So we will have to save that for the next time Josh is on the podcast, which might be a little while, but, uh, we'll get back to you on that eventually. I will leave you with this gem. New Tales game. Ooh. Ooh. Genius. Feed me. Yes. (laughs) That was hilarious. Um, so uh, for anybody who's uh, not played Tales of Symphonia, there's a, in when you're playing, you can go into the pause menu and obviously use items. But if you're playing multiplayer, you can you can actually pick which character uses the items. and on and then they can use it on which character. And uh, for some reason, our brother Dan would randomly just not look, or or maybe he did it on purpose to fuck with Josh. I don't I don't know, but I don't think Josh he's that play, much of a troll, right? Yeah, <laughs> but uh, it was surprising how often like Josh would play Genus, who is the little mage kid in Tales of Symphonia. Wow. Oh, and, jo- uh, you were playing Genus. Yes, that's surprising to me. Yeah, and uh, he would. Uh, be casting his big ass spell to beat the bad guys or something and then Daniel who's I don't even remember was Daniel playing rain to heal us maybe probably and uh, he'd run out of MP because he's healing me as the you know playing Lloyd or uh, uh, Kratos or I really liked Zelos uh, was a fucking awesome yeah, I think this might have been Zelos but like he, Daniel would hit the buttons and for some reason, I would stop in the middle of my cast and run over to Daniel and beat him a gummy. Yeah. 
<laughs> like, here's your orange gummy. Now you have MP to heal us. And so Sean won't die, but also the enemies aren't going to die because I didn't cast my fucking spell. Yeah, like, this this, this this was memes before there were memes. It was the same yeah. as, as Lurch um, needing to, to smash things. Right. Or you but as the a new Tales game I would be super excited about because uh, I, I very, very much considered buying the remake of Tales of Vesperia, which I played on original Xbox... No, not original. Uh, Xbox 360. And they remade it for, I think, Switch, PS4, and Xbox. And I really considered buying it because I got really far in that game. And then I came home one day and you and Babbitt were playing Rainbow Six Vegas 2. And the game was not in the Xbox anymore, and it was not in its case, and I have not seen it since, and I'm really huh. pissed at Babbitt now. <laughs> I know nothing about this. Right, yeah. And I, I never saw the game again, and I have no idea where it is, so I, I have Babbitt no idea how it ends. And it's I probably will, still in the basement. Probably somewhere, but you know that basement. <laughs> uh, yeah, um... So I would be super excited about a new Tales game. I love Tales of Symphonia. Tales of Vesperia were my favorites. I play um, the original Tales of Fantasia. Yeah. Which like was the greatest sort of game. Guy. Yeah. It was on <laughs> Super Nintendo. And you could get the, the relic that was, it looked like a Super Nintendo controller. And it would allow you to cast spells with keyboard movements. Instead of hitting, like forward and instead of hitting the x button for whatever was bound to like your forward casting like wave spell you'd hit down forward x it became a fighting game i was playing street fighter in an rpg down forward punch was <laughs> a fireball forward down down forward was the flying uppercut move with my sword i'm not kidding that's hilarious. i was ryu but i was in an RPG. Because that's, that's funny, because that's sort of how it evolved anyways, because in Tales of Symphonia and everything forward of that, it's like you have your uh, regular attacks on A, and then you have your special attack on B, and then depending on which direction you're holding the thumbstick, it does a different special attack, which you can customize and put on those things. And I actually kind of always customized it like I was a Super Smash Brothers character. Like my down B on... Um, Zelos was uh, some sort of earth move or something and my up B was like this spinning upward slash like yeah. if you were in Super Smash Brothers that would be your recovery move and I that was all of my characters because uh, I, I mostly played Zelos after I unlocked him because he was super just hilarious cheeky bastard character I fucking love Zelos um, but other than that I played a lot of uh, Sheena and Lloyd mostly, uh, yeah. That was nice. a great game. Was Peyton is still player. borrowing that from me, and he hasn't given it back. <laughs> but that's okay, because lately on my GameCube, I've been playing Ocarina of Time, because Ocarina of Time is great. Anyways, so that'll do it probably for the podcast today, because we've already ran like way the hell over, and uh, I'm almost out of beer, and Josh is probably out of beer, and Chris is almost out of Coke. Who cares? Fucking orange vanilla Coke, Chris. Really? Hey, I saw it and I was like... You want the rest of this Mountain Dew? Oh. <laughs> Anyways, uh, my name is Sean Michael Patrick Thompson. As always, I am the uh, podcast host, and this is my Chris, the Co-Chris. The co Hi, I am Chris. I didn't Chris, think I was that uh, drunk, but apparently I am. I cannot believe that it is the Audette. 
Jeez, uh, that was weird. That was, that was just an awkward phrasing. Chris uh, Orange Vanilla Audette. <laughs> there you go. I'm a vanilla, but with a little Where can extra people find twist. you, Chris? Uh, you Dumbass. can find me on uh, Twitter, which I've been more and more actively using these days, mostly to tweet at this guy. Right, yeah, he tweets at me and Peyton about podcast stuff and RPGs mostly. Yeah, uh, you can also find stuff that I wrote on DriveThruRPG. I wrote House of Flowers, uh, and I co-wrote... Uh, Five Cataclysms Core Rules Beta Edition which you can both pick up for pay what you want you should pick them up for free there and my co-author also writes stuff under the same publishing name and you could also pick up stuff but you gotta pay for his stuff his stuff is good cool so you're saying your stuff is not good and eventually we're gonna have Nick on the podcast Uh, we've been vaguely talking about that so uh, I'm gonna invite him Hopefully, in the next few weeks here, I'd like to get Nick. Maybe on your double table topic. Maybe day. on my double table topic day. Double table topic day. All right. And who is this uh, swaggering captain of our uh, gaming team that we Game. haven't yeah. actually gone that, by that name yeah. in a long ass time? Yeah, Skull Daisy. I started it because it was a cool icon for uh, Unreal Tournament. Yeah. On Xbox. Like, not Unreal Tournament 2004 or anything, but Unreal Tournament. The that original was, The original. Tournament. There was well, not one the original icon. Unreal, but the original Unreal Tournament. Yeah. Because there was, I think, one or two Unreal games for PC before the Xbox one, which yeah. was Unreal Tournament. But anyway, there was exactly. an icon, which was a flower with a skull in the center. Skull Daisy. That was where it came from. So I'm Skull Daisy Gimp on Twitter. Where did Facebook. Where Gimp come from? Uh... That was a hilarious story, actually, where uh, Gimp yeah. was... Uh, so, yeah. when I first started playing, it was in my 8th, 7th, 7th grade um, drafting class. And we had just gotten a bunch of computers that our drafting instructor didn't know how to set up. So, <laughs> me and a couple other guys set up the computers for him. And we added the AutoCAD software, and we also added Half-Life. Half-Life. Not two, not anything. Half-Life. The original Half-Life. The the one that still makes me motion sick within five minutes of playing it. Yeah. Josh is an old guy. Anyway. Yeah. So, we were playing Half-Life. I was terrible at first-person shooters because I grew up playing Marathon, and you'd move around, and to move, you know, like, to look up and down, you had to hit the arrow keys, like, differently, and there, there were different controls. You didn't look in three dimensions. You ran around in two dimensions and then sometimes had to look in three. The mouse thing was different, so I was not good at it. I started playing with a shotgun, and my original screen name was Shotgun Ape Shit because I would just... Person, blam, 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 and then I'd usually die. There was some escort, the, you'd escort a VIP in the original Team Fortress mod for the original Half-Life. The VIP had 50 health, moved slower, and only had a crowbar. So, melee only, slow, and low health. But basically, everyone would try and shoot at him, and one team would be, like, mostly snipers, and the other team would be mostly guys with giant guns, and you'd try to make it from point A to point B while everyone else tried to kill you, and your guards would try to protect you. 
I always ended up as the VIP because I was the worst player, so I was the one that would impact the team the least by being the guy who didn't do anything anyway. But, it, you know, there's syllables. Are you, are you the VIP or are you the gimp? Because you're gimped. You can't move quick. You can't fight well. So I was the gimp, so I just went You got by. that zipper that goes over your face mask? Yes, yeah, the whole leather thing. But yeah, leather. <laughs> so I was gimp, and then when we had Skull Daisy, I was Skull Daisy gimp. And yeah, there was. we tried to start a gaming team, and we did pretty well at our local land center until it went under. Poor old Maximum Gamer. I still have a mouse pad from them. Yeah, 3DXI is gone now, too. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I crashed my car out front of, and that's why I don't have my first car anymore, and now <laughs> I have, like, my fourth car. Yeah. But, you know, it was it was a 1991 Ford. It was probably going to die on its own. Yeah, those those do that. My truck did, which got was also a 1991 in, Ford. <laughs> got to ride off into the sunset. Yeah, okay. Kind of literally, actually. Right, uh, yeah, actually. It was... It was Right about sunset, and the sun in my eyes was partially why I didn't see that concrete pole. Right. <laughs> so, Gimp, so, where can people find you on... Oh, whatever. Uh, on Twitter at Skull Daisy Gimp, on Facebook at Skull Daisy Gimp, at the Colorado Renaissance Festival on stage with Celtic Legacy. There you go. All right. And sometimes at other places as Celtic Legacy. Also that, yeah. Speaking yeah, of which, have you heard from them? I haven't heard from them. Celtic Legacy? Or other places? Other places. Haven't heard from them recently. Yeah. I'll let you know. usually they do it like every two months, and then they skip yeah. a month, which well, is weird. Well, I'm probably going to be skipping the next couple months. Okay. Because weekends. Well, if they want to hire me, then that's okay by I'll me. I'll let them know. Okay, cool. And uh, with that, we are a drink to the past, and we will see you eventually. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.